0: Judge Arthur Ingeron has delayed giving his final ruling judgment, I guess, against Donald Trump in the New York fraud trial for a couple weeks now, because as Ingeron explained in an email to both the prosecutors and to Donald Trump's lawyers this week, he has reason to believe that there was perjury that took place during the trial. And by God, he wants some answers. Here is what Ingeron said in that email to again, both Trump's lawyers and the attorney general's team as the presiding magistrate, the trier of fact and the judge of credibility. I of course want to know whether Mr. Weiselberg is now changing his tune and whether he is admitting he lied under oath in my courtroom at this trial. I do not want to ignore anything in a case of this magnitude. He then went on to say that Mr. Weisselberg of course, referring to Alan Weisselberg, the disgraced chief financial officer of the Trump organization. He went on to say that Mr. Weisselberg, if it is determined that he committed perjury, well Ingeron may have no choice, but to throw out Weisselberg's entire testimony and not consider any of it in his final decision. And if that happens. That is a massively devastating blow to Donald Trump. After all Weisselberg had testified that, Hey, yeah, I did some of this. Trump had no idea about it. So he absolved Donald Trump and his two adult sons and the company itself of at least a little bit of liability. If that testimony gets thrown out, then that can't be taken into consideration. And it has to be assumed that all of the fraud took place with Trump the kids and the business that would basically be the end of the Trump organization as we know it. So here's what happened, by the way, (laughs) seems like a very important part of the story, right? Uh, Weisselberg was giving his testimony back in October. His testimony was cut short because as he was testifying, Forbes published an article that said he just lied under oath. And what he allegedly lied about was all the way back in 2017. Weisselberg had sent emails to Forbes magazine to give them the correct valuation of Trump tower in Manhattan. But on the stand, he told the prosecutors that, Hey, I had nothing to do with that. I wasn't involved in the Forbes article. I didn't play any kind of role in the valuation of Trump tower and Trump's, uh, uh, penthouse there. I, I, I had nothing to do with any of that. So Forbes upon hearing that published this article and they were like, actually, we have the emails that show that you did in fact, do the thing you're denying under oath having done. So his testimony was ended right about there. Then the New York times ran another article talking about how obviously Weisselberg committed perjury. So Ingeron wants answers. What are we going to do about this? this man seemingly lied under oath. So Trump lawyers, why don't you tell me is the man changing his tune? Did he have a lapse in judgment or did he straight up lie to me? Obviously it doesn't matter what Trump's lawyer said at that point. Ingeron knows what happened. It's obvious at this point, based on the evidence provided by Forbes, because they have the actual emails, uh, it's fairly obvious that Weisselberg lied under oath. So He should be left with no choice, but to throw out Weisselberg's entire testimony, which means Trump has no hope in getting off with even a slightly less harsh sentence at this point. And the sentence, of course, it's a civil case. So he's not going to jail the sentence or judgment, if you will, would be the loss of his companies and the full fine of $370 million that Letitia James is seeking. This is big but it also goes to the culture of the Trump organization, which goes to the culture of the people Trump hires. You hire liars and you're going to end up regretting it someday. That's what we're starting to see right now. So again, uh, Trump's lawyers have submitted their response to Ingeron, but it doesn't matter. He did what he did. The evidence shows that he did what he did and Ingeron should be handing down a fairly harsh ruling possibly within the next week, well, all good things must come to an end folks. And it looks like Ronna McDaniel's reign of terror as the chairwoman of the Republican national committee is in fact coming to an end rather than serving out the rest of her term in office. Ronna McDaniel has reportedly told her colleagues that she is stepping down after the South Carolina primary at the end of February, and she's doing it after having lost multiple different elections for the Republican party, consistently seeing Republican candidates at all levels underperform since she took the uh, role as the chair of the party. And of course, leaving the party effectively bankrupt during an election year because they only have $8 million cash on hand now. The Democrats, as I've, I've previously mentioned, uh, the Biden Harris campaign raised $97 million in just the last quarter of last year. And the Republicans have $8 million to their name. That's Ronna McDaniel, but it's important to remember why Ronna McDaniel is in this position in the first place. And I'm not talking about in the position where the Republican party is in shambles and totally falling apart. We see the Republican party falling apart every day, I mean, so far this week, it's been a real bad week for Republicans, but here's the thing. Ronna McDaniel was picked for the post as the chair of the RNC by Donald Trump himself. Now, granted the party had to vote on her to give her that position and she did get reelected multiple times, but Trump picked her. She ran his campaign in Michigan in 2016 and she obviously did a successful job of that. So Trump told the party, I want her to be the, the head of it. So comes to a vote, she gets elected because she had the backing of the then president of the United States. So makes sense, right? But Trump didn't take into account the fact that Ronna McDaniel, even though she was successful in Michigan, was not ready to handle that position. As I mentioned, in every single election since Ronna McDaniel has been in charge of the Republican party, they have underperformed. She was in charge of the Republican party in 2018. When we saw the blue wave, she was in charge of the Republican party in 2020 when president Biden took the white house and Democrats regained control of the Senate by Republicans losing two vital Senate seats in the state of Georgia. She was in charge of the Republican party in the year 2022 when Republicans predicted a 70 seat advantage, but got 10 seats. In their advantage. And now it's actually less than that because they kicked out Santos and Kevin McCarthy is gone. So Republicans are not doing well and Ronna McDaniel is to blame. But the biggest problem she's had is the fundraising part. Like I said, Republican party has $8 million on hand in an election year, in a presidential election year. Okay. It's not even like we're going into midterms where, okay, we don't have as much, but we can get due. We're talking $8 million in a presidential election hell Trump's presidential campaign only has $42 million cash on hand. His super PACs are basically being bled dry by his legal fees. So the Republican party has nothing. You've got state level parties that have gone totally bankrupt, literally having $0 in the bank. Some of them, I'm not kidding, actually have only a couple hundred dollars in their bank accounts. And even though those are state level parties run by the state level people, it all flows from the top. Ronna McDaniel has been the worst leader of the Republican party I have ever seen. And because of that, I'm very sad that she's leaving. I would love to see her rule the Republican party forever, if possible, because nobody, nobody on the left could have ever done as much damage to the Republican party as Ronna McDaniel did from the inside. And for that, I am truly going to miss her. And I appreciate everything that she has done to the GOP. Marjorie Taylor Greene is having a very, very bad week so far. Not only did her impeachment effort against Homeland security secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas fail, but. She also got a little too riled up in a hearing this week about crime in Washington DC. And rather than finish the hearing, she decided to throw a temper tantrum and stormed out of the room. Here's what happened. You had democratic representative, Robert Garcia. It was his turn to speak. He got five minutes to talk and well, without giving too much away, he said something that seriously angered Marjorie Taylor Greene. So here's the clip. Take a look at how Representative Garcia got under green skin to the point where she couldn't even stand to be in the room anymore. Here it is. Chair now recognizing Mr. Garcia for five minutes.
1: Thank you. That was a lot. Um, uh, I want to remind the the gentlelady that it was her that actually organized a trip to the D.C. jail to hug and high five and sit with the insurrectionists that actually attacked our capital. So if we're talking about the safety of DC and the capital, it's just quite, I think, ironic. This is all facts. This is quite ironic that uh, the insurrectionists that try to overthrow our government in the capital city um, were being coddled. Were being, were, were actually being coddled by. It's a, quite a shame that you called them political prisoners or hostages. I think maybe you called them. They're actually, they actually try to, they actually try Mr. to overthrow Chairman. our government. Let me continue Mr. with Chairman, my time. Chairman, she's not recognized. Thank you. So I, I think it's quite um, interesting that um, my colleague was trying to talk about the safety of D.C. Uh, when she literally supported an insurrection, an attack on the Capitol, visited the prisoners. I, I was there as one of two Democrats there as part of that visit on behalf of this committee um, and seeing her high five uh, folks that want to overthrow our government. So quite, now... Representative Garcia in
0: that clip was not sitting there spreading lies about Marjorie Taylor green. He wasn't slandering or defaming her. He wasn't personally attacking her. He was literally laying out a set of facts and those facts, those real things that happened offended Marjorie Taylor green so much, even though she did them that she had to leave the dang room because she couldn't stand to be confronted by the reality of what a horrible person she is. And let's not forget, right? This was a hearing about crime rates in Washington DC, right? So for some reason that's a federal case instead of with the local leadership of Washington DC, but whatever. But I love what Garcia did there, right? We have Republicans that all throughout the 2022 midterms all throughout last year, 2023, and going into this year are trying to paint America as some kind of crime riddled, you know, failed state run by Democrats, of course, where there's, you can't, you can't turn around without seeing a crime being committed. And Garcia is pointing out like, Hey, um, we actually have real criminals sitting in jail. Uh, and you're calling them political prisoners. You went to visit them and I was there with you And you high-fived them. You hugged them. You most importantly, he said, thanked them for committing crimes. So how can you have a party that's saying that we're the ones soft on crime when you're literally out there high-fiving, hugging and thanking criminals? It doesn't make any sense but that is what the Republicans are. Not to mention the fact that if you want to talk about criminality, I mean, hell, your presidential candidate has 91 felony charges against him. And y'all are saying that none of that matters. We don't care. We still want him. So who's soft on crime? Is it the people that are actually trying to hold criminals accountable? Or is it the party that's going to put up a nominee that has 91 felony charges against him? I think the answer to that is pretty obvious. I don't need to answer that for you because you all know the answer. Marjorie Taylor Greene and her fellow Republicans are the ones looking the other way on crime while the Democrats are actually trying to hold people accountable. My pillow CEO, Mike Lindell may be down, but he is not out. He announced this week, the introduction of a new service that he has started through his, my pillow company called my store, you know, my pillow, my coffee, my slippers. Now he's got my store and in my store, what he is allowing people to do is get on there and sell their own products. and. According to a very low budget press conference Lindell did this week, they've got all sorts of things, basically everything you need. He calls it a mini Amazon, but, uh, here he is again in this exceptionally low budget press conference that looks like it was done in his mother's basement. Here is Mike Lindell highlighting some of the awesome products that they have for sale. Take a look. Like the painting. everyone sees the painting when I do my, uh, my, my, uh this is the Vanessa. This is the one I have behind me in my, uh the painting behind me and my, my, my pillow advertisements. And so her paintings are up there. You have a, uh, here you have my, this is a friend of mine, Jim Hansel. These are made into placemats of products. U.S. made like a common products like socks. And then we have innovative products. Like here's this brush here that cleans inside bottles. I mean, it's every, every kind of. So if you're in the market, you know, for a, painting of a, well, actually a reproduction of a painting of Jesus and a lion or whatever the other thing was, or maybe you need some socks and a bottle cleaning brush. You can just go to my store and buy these things and, you know, help give Mike Lindell some money so he can pay his massive legal fees that he already can't afford. But please, if you need some random gray socks and a bottle scrubber, Mike Lindell has just the place for you at my store. Um, you can get a lot of those things, by the way, at like any gas station, probably even the paintings. (laughs) I say that as somebody down here in the South, I don't know if you've ever been to a gas station down here in the South. We got some weird stuff. And actually the further down in Florida you go, you are going to find gas stations with even weirder stuff. But yeah, like a pair of work socks and a bottle scrubbing brush, there's a gas station five seconds from my house. I can go buy those right now. I don't need to log into Mike Lindell's, my store, give him a cut of the money to purchase these things from independent sellers. Now they obviously have more than that because Mike Lindell says, listen, you know, in terms of quality, he has a team. That's what he told Steve Bannon earlier this week of eight to 10 people that are in charge of, you know, quality, making sure people don't put garbage up on my store. So eight to 10 people for what is supposed to be a mini Amazon. Um, I'm sure we can trust those eight people to fully vet every single product that that gets posted on his, my store. Now, to be honest, this idea is not horrible. It's just that Mike Lindell's not good at it. And if you're going to announce like this major new thing you have, where you're actually trying to compete with Amazon marketplace, you need to do it somewhere a little bit more professional. I mean, you, you've got those people standing around you in that clip. They look scared and confused. They don't know why they're there. They're just kind of, I mean, there's a the one guy that's like awkwardly looking at the camera from the back. Like what is, what is, is that a hostage video? Do we need to worry about the safety of those people standing behind you, Mike? Cause they don't look well at all, but neither did you, your hands were a little shaky. I mean, things are not well in the, my pillow kingdom. <laughs> we'll call it, you know, the, my pillow, uh, universe that he has created. It's the MPCU. Um, but this is what Lindell has been reduced to right now. He's hawking socks and bottle brushes just so he can pay his legal fees. But it is what it is. You gotta do what you gotta do. You can never keep a good salesman down. So Lindell is out there selling probably eventually the shirt off his back just to get a couple extra bucks so that maybe he can afford to have lawyers again. for listening to today's fair and balanced daily stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on youtube at youtube.com slash fair and balanced and follow me on twitter facebook and instagram at fair and balanced